episode 27 of The Drunk Web. This today is all about the big picture. Let's take a step away from nitty-gritty and the code itself and think about what it means to design software. That's why we're here today. Uh, but before we get there, I just want to mention Patreon. It's still up there. Um, thank you for people who are supporting Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, all that. Uh, and there are no commercials on this podcast because who wants to hear about razors when you tune in to talk about <laughs> <laughs> architecture? All right. The gentlemen I have with me today are software architects I have come to know and respect for quite some time now. You know one of them from episode 18 mm-hmm. or 19? Uh, late teens, yeah. I don't know I which one. I always confuse those two. We had the same problem last night. Yeah. yeah. Brent Bevelo is back with us tonight. Once a New Yorker, now visitor of this great city of ours. Uh, we had him in town for a few days to write a bunch of code together. We yes. did that, but we managed to do an episode also, or we're about to. All the things. Yeah, he's always down for a good time and talking code. And then, that, that was the plan till this morning. Mm. <laughs> Someone then, used his charm to persuade a guest to show up. Yeah, he messages me mm. on this application we use, and uh, he said, we finally got him. And I knew exactly who he was talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Ladies and gentlemen, I am really happy and excited to have my friend Ryan Watkins here. Cheers, good sir. Welcome to the Drunk Web. Thank you. Cheers. I have been trying for quite a while (laughs) to do some kind of collaboration with this man. Uh, other than nine to five, <laughs> even nine to five, we don't get to work together as much anymore. Not anymore. Yeah, but uh, very excited to have you here. I told some of our mutual friends, and they were all also as excited and as surprised that uh, surprised, yeah, <laughs> excited. Um, Sometimes when you expect a no, you get a yes, and that's what today is. Yeah, that's what this is. Surprise and delight. Yeah, and Ryan actually chose the drink today, so would you like to announce, that's the tradition, would you like to announce to the audience what we're drinking and why? Well, we're having a, a Negroni. Uh, yeah, it's tasty. I mean, I'm, I'm a partial to gin drinks in general, so okay. gin in it, and it's it's good right there, but yeah. Excellent. Like yeah, Negroni is a wonderful drink. Uh, last time, and the only other time we had Negronis on this show, it was with Dana White, my good friend. Um who I will be talking about uh, on a solo episode next week. Um, so here's one to Dana White. Mm. Um, when I told uh, our other friend, uh, Ryan Crow, that you guys are coming, he rec- recommended that the episode should be called The Bearded Wonders uh, because you guys are not looking at what I'm looking <laughs> at, but we have two software architects, badass software architects in front of me who both are rocking the beard. Gentlemen, what's the deal? Is that is that what you have to do to get into architecture? Uh, I think Ryan's got to answer that one. No, no. I, I, the beard is a new one for me. I, I haven't had a beard ever until like maybe nine months ago, but it was really uh, Brent disappeared and went off <laughs> yeah. Chicago. We were one beard down, <laughs> one so beard somebody short. had to make the uh, the deficit up, and so that, that was, was me. Okay. Uh, I felt like I had something to do with it, but I wasn't sure. I'm glad to have that confirmed on yeah. the record now. Yeah, yeah, I feel yeah. so special. Thanks for that. <laughs> All right, so Ryan, you are... Uh, what I would consider uh, a, a man of wisdom when it comes to web uh, engineering, architecture, design, all of the above. Uh, we've talked about so many different things 
uh, software related over the years, but we've never captured any of those. So I was thinking, um, if this is the only time we're going to get you on air, let's talk about something that really matters. And, uh, you know, software design and, and the ability to think through a solution is something that I think just comes naturally to you, or maybe you just think really fast and whatever you say makes a lot of sense to me all the time. Um, I feel like we should go there, but before we do that, uh, want to talk about how long you've been in this game and what you've seen and how you have seen the industry change and what you've seen happen to browsers from, uh, <laughs> you actually, he was some good browser stories. Yeah. yeah. Start with this guy. So yeah, tell us, maybe tell us some, uh, where, where you started from. Yeah. What? I mean, the industry has evolved and I've like evolved in my career sort of along with it. I've been at it. I don't know, a long time now. Uh, 25 years. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> the wisdom, uh, right? How, how are you Gandalf? He should be Gandalf. <laughs> I don't know. I think I just had a longer beard and the sticker. And no other reason. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, you know, things were simple. There weren't that many permutations of what you could accomplish early on. And, you know, it's just gotten more and more layers, more and more complicated over time. And so what I was doing at the beginning was very simple stuff, right? Just HTML, no CSS, no JavaScript. There this, was like a handful of tags. It was like... There's a P and an image and a you know so and header and that was it. Pre CSS. Yeah, pre CSS. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So That's awesome. <laughs> not a world seen alikes. <laughs> no, it's Yeah. I mean there was no style, there was no font tag, the image tag was new. Like there was a center tag at one point I could now suddenly center things I rather than that. just be flush left. So Imagine. Yeah. Right. And then Did that you know seem it's like witchcraft yeah. at the time. Like, oh wow, this is great. Yeah, well, I mean, there were only so many things you could do, right? It was, yeah, it was just trickery, right? You know, it was yeah. tables. At some point, it became, okay, now you can do layout with a table tag. and Right. Yeah, and then there was CSS, and then there was JavaScript. And so there's sort of more layers and more abstraction and more things to work with. And so it's, I think it's been good for me, right? I got a, a start at the beginning when there wasn't that much to acquire and learn, right? And then as my career has progressed, I've, things have come along that I've learned about as my career has progressed. It's kind yeah. of been a natural progression with the web and yeah. my expertise and career. So I was thinking about this earlier and, and I do want to go back to my question and hear about uh, a little bit about your days at Microsoft and things like that. But I was thinking on the way here that yes, things have gotten more, more complicated, but we're dealing with a project right now where I have to really, really think about browser support and making sure things look and function right on all browsers right and it's not as hard as i remember it to be is that do you do you feel the browsers are kind of coming yeah together? i think that's been like a that's been a back and forth right i think at the very beginning it was trivial because there wasn't that much you could do right the presentation was controlled by the browser and you got what you got um, and then i think there was a period of time where things got harder because there was browsers competing with each other and just implementing features on their own implementing things differently and so you had to do things in different ways for each browser. And then I think more recently, or not just recent, but there's been, you know, frameworks that abstract that from us. And so I think that there's been like, I don't need to deal with IE versus Netscape's way of adding an event handler, right? I just <laughs> do it and we're done. So I think it's gotten easier and that abstraction is there no. for you know, cross-browser support. And I think the it's also the variation between the browsers isn't as big as it used to be, right? Yeah. Netscape and IE were competing on features and they were implementing tags that the others wouldn't even implement, right. right? And now it's really about the nuances of rendering probably with CSS and things like that, or maybe some features that Chrome has that other browsers don't have. Right. I mean, even that though, like Flexbox, fair game. Like 
pretty comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Like you can go ahead and do it. Okay. Um, okay, so let's go. Let's go back to Microsoft. Let's uh, let's uh, tell us about you. You mentioned to me one time Windows ninety five. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was at Microsoft in Windows 95 period. I mean, I got my career starting in web development in college. Um, I I was working in the lab on campus. I set up the campus web server, built my own personal site, and then I was at a startup, and the startup was acquired by Microsoft, and that's how I ended up at Microsoft during, this was, yeah, 97 to 2000 or so. Mm -hmm. And uh, when did you leave Microsoft? 2000, yeah, the end of 2000. So you saw Windows 98 happen yeah with all its glory <laughs> <laughs> it was great for a long time yeah yeah no i mean i think that you know windows 95 98 i mean they were they were good there was windows me while i was there it was the mm-hmm. the transition though to nt right there's nt4 yeah. and then xp and things that are based on nt that are more stable and so there was that right. kind of rough period in between me was a was a it wasn't a successful no. release, was it? Yeah. No, no. I mean, it was like an extra on top of XP. Like XP was amazing, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, XP was definitely huge, and it, you can see it, right? It's been around. It's stuck around for ages, yeah, right? It lasted a long time. Yeah. yeah. So, would you say? So, you saw the release of Windows ninety eight. Would you say? So, when I imagine, like, iOS four when it first came out, mm-hmm. if you were at Apple, it was probably a really exciting time to be around. Was Windows was your experience like that at Microsoft? That everybody was excited and it was a big deal. And yeah, I mean the release of the OS were big deals. It was also for me was the release of the browsers at the time too, right? I was working on web development and I was at one point on the IE team. So um, for me, it was the release of the, the release of the OS was a big thing at the company. But for within my group, it was I would say, and for me as a developer, it was the release of the browsers that were you know, a big thing. And so like we can disparage old versions of IE. Now we look back and like, oh my gosh, <laughs> IE4 is horrific, right? We won't you know? hold it against you, don't yeah, worry. It, it, but like, you know, at the time of IE4, like, oh my gosh, this is light years better than having to deal yeah. with Netscape. So yeah. What was your, uh, Brent, what was your first experience moving away from Windows, going into the Mac world? Um, it's a good question. To be honest, I think it was actually in high school. Like when they make you take random computer classes in high school, like, mm-hmm. oh, you should probably learn how to type because like typing is going to be a very important thing in the world now. <laughs> For whatever reason, like the private school I went to had Macs. And so, but it was like this new thing because my whole life yeah. I was like a gamer. So I was building websites and like, um, front page or home page right. or that Microsoft thing was, you know, back from my little like gaming teams and stuff when I was in, you know, middle school, elementary school. So I was like familiar with a, with a PC. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I had this class where everything was different. <laughs> that was the Mac, like the yeah. old big colorful boxy Mac. I don't even know which version it was to be yeah, honest. Well, was like but three. I mean, now I, now I swear by it. Everything is just easier, you know, and you know me, I'm, I'm forced to keep things simple. So things usually just work that's kind of their motto and yeah. they do a pretty good job yeah uh for me it was uh, college first year of college because i was doing video production and animation and mm. yeah there was those, nothing happening on yeah, windows that's max all and day. So, yeah. at, but i i resisted it for so long because all the keys were just one off you know the <laughs> command was like mm. one yeah. key exactly. that way yeah, yeah. yeah. And like even no the control, map- I have to use command. Why is that? Yeah, a thing? Why can't we just use one of those things? Just, yeah. So I used to think that Apple's just doing that to be different, and maybe they were. I think different, but yeah. Uh, yeah. once you switch, and so that's a question for you coming from that world of Windows, right? 
did it how long did it take before you did it feel like you were did you feel guilty at all i've gone back and <laughs> forth like before um like in college it was a mixture of like i was working on a next machine so i had like unix there and there were a bunch of macs in the lab at the startup i had uh, a linux box as my desktop machine and then i went to microsoft and sorry there's no linux on your desktop right so yeah. it was windows um and then after that, I kind of switched back and forth between Mac. And then I would say after a period of time, it was pretty Mac Mac all the time. Um, as an Emacs user, moving the keys around, especially <laughs> the control keys, is a big deal. So dealing with the keyboard was a, was a transition. Yeah. Um, Speaking of... To this day, Emacs user over here. Yeah. Speaking of... So first of all, we have... Uh, of the people who are watching on Instagram, there's... JR and Ryan Crow. So they're there. Oh, but hey, this uh, this uh, wide angle lens is not wide enough, so that they're only looking at my face. I'll, I'll turn it around in a bit. Um, speaking of keyboards, um, I've decided to do solo episodes for Drunk Web, where I just sit down and do a brain dump for 15 minutes. You can listen to that on the way to the gym, and that's it. You don't have. Are to you are you true hours. to the name? Do you? The drunk yeah. web? Yeah. Do you have a drink? And yeah, yeah, I have a drink. Hang out and just kind of vent a little bit? Yeah. Nice. But I haven't been drunk. No. The drunk yeah. web doesn't mean you're drunk. It just yeah. means you're having a drink. Yeah. yeah. And so I wrote my first episode. And without giving away too much, because I do want people to tune in and listen, um, it's about a conversation I had with you, Ryan, <laughs> which was about getting the right keyboard. I don't know yeah. if you remember that. We we talked about yeah. how you, you had bought this he has keyboard. That strong wasn't... opinions on keyboards. Yeah. yeah, but whatever your opinion is, go with it. And don't like try to save 20 bucks or, or mm -hmm. even 100 yeah. bucks. So I have a lot of thoughts about that. And I and I wrote all of it. And I'm going to record it probably in a couple of weeks. Uh, and your name will come up again. I might have to tweak the, the script because in the script, I'm like, oh, this is a guy none of you have ever heard of. and <laughs> uh. but <he's>, yeah. <laughs> So now, now they have... Um, all right, so let's jump right into it. Then. So you guys are and have been working as software architects for, for a few years, right? Uh, for you, Ryan, maybe more than a few years. But um, probably people who would tune in to this one will be senior devs because somehow in the title, it, there's going to be something related to architecture. And junior devs might not really be interested in that or feel like they're not ready. Regardless, I think more senior devs are going to want to know uh, about this journey. And so what do you think is necessary for anyone, regardless of their level of experience? What is the main thing they have to do in terms of growth and mentality to kind of pave the way for themselves to go towards an architect role? What's, what's important? You want to take it? Uh, I mean, I can say what it is for me, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, my, my architecture career has honestly been brief. I've been, um, it's been the last couple of years and I've been more in the senior dev kind of role. And so for me, I see it as a transition of leaning on the things I've learned over my career and not making those mistakes again, right? And so it's being able to apply those things from the outset rather than having to learn them as you work through the engineering process. So mm -hmm. it's, I, I, for me, I see it as a, as a, something that you might sort of see as a senior kind of role of giving that expertise. And then it's maybe a step beyond that of not doing the engineering work necessarily as much on a day-to-day -day basis and being able to use that expertise to craft solutions and help the team out, you know, so they can avoid those, 
those situations that you, you you've run into in the past so yeah. that you don't run into them um, in your future work. How do you keep track of that? Because I I've noticed I've never been a note taker, but I've started to t take some notes, some general what comes to my mind notes, and go back, and it's actually kind of helpful. Do you, how do you keep track of the mistakes you've made? Because there's the day goes by so quick. How do you go back and make sure you don't make those mistakes again? Um, or maybe you're smarter than for me. me I think <laughs> it, for me, honestly, it's 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 ingrained. I just know it, and it comes out in the sol solutions that I suggest. Um, my my note taking, I do, do take notes. Um, me mm -hmm. in a meeting, I'll take notes occasionally, but I'm the kind of person that will take notes and never read them again. Mm -hmm. The act of taking the note helps me remember them later. Yeah. And the other main thing I do is that my and I kept this from when I was working in engineering is having like the daily scrum meeting and having a, what did I do? What am I going to do? What are my blockers? I still do that. And it's purely for myself. And it, for me, it's like, what am I going to do today? What have I picked up today that I have to do that I'm going to do tomorrow? And so I think the for me, it's the act of taking notes that helps me remember it so that later when I need to recall it, it just sort of it's naturally there in my suggestions. Got it. The act itself. Yeah, right. I've noticed a couple of things that you that you do that I've always respected as far as your honestly your note taking ability. So I see you over there in your editor, and like you have as many notes as you do for alignments of code of like things that you want to do tomorrow or didn't do. It's like really having that backlog of things that you don't want to forget. And I'm just now realizing that I have to write those things down too. So we have a backlog of all the random things that you know I, I want to get through, and you know I. I think the big thing for you that I noticed and when I've talked to you about it is it's not somewhere else. It's in your editor, mm -hmm. right? Because that's where you're going to spend your time as a developer. It's not a context switch to, you know, some other application or to Confluence in our case or something like that. It is right where you live every day, what you really care about, that code right next to that code in your editor is the things that should be important to you. Um, so I noticed that he does that a lot and it probably helps. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, um, I work in my editor a lot. Exactly. And yeah. for me, it's just a big text file. Like I, I've been keeping this to-do list since I started my current gig, and it's, I don't know, five thousand lines long. Of yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, should make the review time easy. You, just, you copy it, it, it you copy it, and you just dump it right in, and you're like, right. "This is, I think, what I did." So I'm good to go. Um, what are the early mistakes that an architect can make that people should look out for? So. Well, I guess I can take both of the questions, the last question, this question. So the early mistakes an architect look out for, at least I think things that have happened to me is probably the ability to delegate a little bit. Mm. Um, because as as a tech lead, you know, you're very aware of everything that's happening in your code base and you kind of have, you know, ultimate say of what those things are and you're extremely hands-on, obviously. Um but as an architect, you're not supposed to be as hands-on. I mean, I still think that you should be, and I still think that I am. But at the same time, it's you just are. you can't, you know, there's too many things to know everything about everything. You know, you ultimately are trying to build, you know, good handrails and a good communication pattern for everybody else. And that's kind of bleeding back into the first question. So for me, like, you know, in my architecture career, which again is similar to Mount as Ryan, he's, you know, maybe got a year on me as far as the architecture team goes, um, years of experience <laughs> for sure. But what you're trying to do, in my opinion, as an architect is you're trying to make things obvious. So the way that you would design an application for a user, for everything to be obvious, you know, you're using application, you don't even know what you're doing. Everything's just flowing through. Great. 
you're doing that, but your application isn't really the end application. It's the code base. It's the repository. It's all the tooling you're using. It's all those things. So perhaps a really dumb example, but something I just thought of when you asked me the question was I was walking through a house last weekend and there was a sliding door and like the knob was on the right side, which led me to believe that I would grab the door and slide it to the left, Mm -hmm. right? Like the knobs on the far side, you slide it the other way. It didn't slide that way. It slid the opposite way, which to me was very awkward, Mm -hmm. but that simple probably dumb analogy is the same way you approach the code base you kind of want everybody to be able to discover everything they need from the design patterns you have in place that's what good design is as an architect you're really designing the code base for everybody at least that's how i view it you know you have Mm -hmm. the ux design team designing the application but you're that you're that design team for your customer your user and your user is all the other devs that you work with and you support so that to me is kind of you know that's kind of what i think Mm-hmm. makes an architect and that's that jump and that difference between maybe a senior dev and an architect you know um, right. i'm not just harping on naming because i love naming like naming is hard and i think it's very important because ultimately it's a communication it's a playbook for everyone else to use yeah. i want you to look at it and it to be obvious and not have to ask me any questions right because that's just time that you're not getting to do something that's actually more valuable yeah. so that's kind of the two things for me i guess the challenge of delegation Mm -hmm. is something that any senior slash lead role is going to have Mm -hmm. architecture no less i don't have a hard time delegating that comes very natural to me i I can most of the time i can pick the right person um and that's great but then what that that forces me to feel like guilty a little bit and that now i don't know everything about everything so that then i that results in imposter syndrome and a mm. crazy amount mm. of it too. Yep. When somebody knows a part of the code base that I don't know so intimately, I feel like they're going to find me out now, any minute now. You're a fraud. Right? Yeah. And so how do you deal with that? Because as, as architects, you're not implementing. So so much of the app, uh, even though you know what's where, mm. you're not writing it yourself. And that's been difficult for me to step away from. Yeah. Do you suffer from imposter syndrome? That's what I'm asking. Yeah. I mean, I I think I do for sure. I mean, it's, you know, when you don't have that confidence to answer every single question sitting right here without having to look anything up, you know, a little bit, it's like, you know, hey, give me a minute and let me go look. Because the ultimate reality is you can figure out the answers. Two minutes. But you just need some time, right? But not having that answer for everybody every second that's a new feeling it's new it's sometimes yeah i guess i could say it's a new feeling but imposter syndrome is is real anybody who doesn't have imposter syndrome is probably uh, i'd say a liar in some way shape or form you know or psychopath <laughs> or, <laughs> yeah sociopath psychopath don't get me started on those, but yeah. Yeah. yeah um yeah so yeah definitely have imposter syndrome. ryan what do you think yeah. i've gotten more comfortable with it um like I realize Liar. that no, I, re- I realize that most of the many of the people I work with yeah. are better in many of these areas than I am. Right. I, I can sit there and yeah. think of people that I work with. I'm like in this area, this guy that he's just a senior developer or a developer, he's yeah. going to know this area much better than You're I will. Specialist, right? Which is important. Yeah. And so I've come to realize that my area of expertise is how the things come together, yeah. given the length of time that I've been working on this. Right. I've worked on a variety of things over the years and it's not the individual things. It's just knowing the scope of how the web works yeah. and being able to piece that all together is where I lend a hand. And when we need to get into the nitty gritty of some aspect of testing or view or whatever, like, or CSS layout, Flexbox, somebody on the team's going to know that better than me. And 
I'm okay with yeah, that. Th- that's important. I think what he said right there just hits nail on the head. It's uh, probably the one of the big differences between a senior dev and an architect is that as an architect, you should know how everything fits together. You might not know exactly how it's written, but you know exactly how it's worked, how it works, what its function is, and how it fits with all the other pieces of the puzzle. Because that's yeah. really what you're doing. You're looking at it from a, a little bit higher view, as you were saying earlier. So it's it's getting really how it all fits together. Yeah, getting That doesn't mean you can do it. It means you can do it with given enough time. Certainly you can do it, but yeah. it's knowing how it works without having to, to do it. Right. Yeah. Um, a lot of things we've talked about, Ryan. Um, I think about one thing you said to me left such an impression on me that I still think about it. Uh, you said, I'm not the best JavaScript developer in the world. And I was blown away by that. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's not that I think you are. It's that somebody in your position who has done JavaScript as much as you have still have the humility to say, you know, there are parts of JavaScript that there there's some other guy who, who can wrap his head around or or a girl, so much better than me, um, and still be okay with that and, and walk away from it thinking that's not the end of the world is is incredible because I think people suffer from, the ego gets in the way and they go, no, I have to be the best at everything, otherwise I lose. So looking at it as not a competition, that's what I took from that. And that was amazing. That was a great, uh, great yeah. lesson. Always compare yourself to your previous versions of yourself. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I think there's many people on our team that are much better, like, understanding the core language than I am. That's that's fine, right? I mean, I'm, given my background, I don't think I'm going to be great at it. I, and I studied political science in college, right? I didn't study CS. I didn't know that. Right, yeah. Oh, we talked about it, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was a B-school major, another non-CS guy yeah. here. Yeah. How did we all end up uh, in this room? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so design. A lot of people, when you talk about design, they think visual design. They think graphic design. They think layout. Um, can you uh, simplify the definition of software design for someone who might be listening, thinking architect? Are these guys like civil engineers? What's going on here? Um, when we're talking about software design, how do you describe it to your six-year-old child? Actually, you uh, shout out to your son. <laughs> I don't know how I don't old describe he? to my children what I do on a what day-to-day you basis. Do on a yeah. day-to-day yeah, I go to a basis. lot of meetings and I write a lot of email. That's what I tell them. But, um, the sad truth but, comes but out. How, how are you going to explain to them software design? Um, for me, it's a gradation between senior development and architecture. And I think it's it's laying the scaffolding for the other people that are to come in and work on the project, right? You know, if it's a tiny little thing, you have one guy build out the whole thing. If you have a larger team, you need to have some mechanism of someone coming and kind of laying the groundwork and then having other people come in and work in individual areas and flesh the thing out. And then if you're doing this on an ongoing basis, you're, you know, helping them progress by doing the things that help the whole system come together rather than just, the specifics of the individual pieces. What if he then yeah. says, but daddy, <laughs> there's create react app and I saw it uh, on GitHub and I can scaffold like that. Um, yeah. Uh, oh. It depends on <laughs> it's what only going to be build, a piece right? of it. If you're going to build it's only going to be a, it's only gonna be a piece. Then, yeah. Small yeah, to do. You're going to build a to-do list then sure use create yeah. react app and you've got your scaffolding. It depends on the scope of the project. Right. Yeah. I've worked at small companies where it's a team of like three people. Right. And so there's no architect, right. There's, but there's someone senior. And so like I would go in and say, well, I'm going to build the basic set of pages 
and get things laid out together and put the other and somebody's going to come in and style things and somebody's going to come in and flesh out the business logic but i'll kind of put yeah. the basics out there mm-hmm. so that um, we've got a, a system to work within yeah there's probably two important things you said in there architecture happens all the time even without architects you know, senior devs, tech leads make a lot of those type of decisions too on a daily basis. You know, it's ultimately it's just your job title dictates that that's kind of what you think of first. Yeah. But what I would consider architecture decisions are often made not by architects, right? But I mean, you are there ultimately for that. And back to your other question, I kind of feel like I've never explained my job to another tech person. Mm-hmm. But when I explain my job to people who are not in tech, I often use probably the bad and common analogy of buildings, you know, like a building architect, you know, I say, well, you know, cause most people can relate to that. You know, they've been in a building before or they own a home or whatever it is. So it's someone lays the plans for everything. And then you have specialists, i.e. contractors come in and do specific things, right? Plumbing, electrical, whatever. Right. So it's, I might've even said this on the last podcast, but that's how I kind of explain it to people that aren't in the industry. Yeah. No, I think it's great. Yeah. That's how I think about it too. Yeah. Uh, who is architecture not for? What kind of developer is it not for? <laughs> uh, and not experience related. We're not talking like junior devs. Yeah. Your not questions are always hard. Ha. Like what you do not self teach. Medical, right? That was from the last <laughs> podcast. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I if you want to cut your arm off, go for it. I mean, there are characteristics of developers that you don't want to see that are just exacerbated when they're on the architecture side, right? But um, yeah, I mean, you have different types of developers, right? You've probably encountered all of them in your career. We don't have to go through the deep classifications of the different types, but the ones who simply stop when their problem is solved, right? I mean, that's the way that I kind of grew in my career and I'm really not ashamed to admit it. It's how I work. I will write probably the dumbest and hackiest solution to solve my problem. Mm -hmm. But when I get there, I'm not done. I've just started. So even though it works and technically someone could close a story for me when I was a developer, I, I didn't stop there. I said, well, this doesn't really make sense. That's refactor this and then oh well now maybe it should be moved over here and i might rename it to this and change the you know the method signature for it or something yeah. like doesn't make sense the data we're passing it so really you solve your problem and it works it's like great it works but that's not where you stop so to me the people that maybe ultimately become architects move forward and do that refactoring six seven eight times even though they've already solved their story until they get to a place where i think this would make sense for other people and i think the design of it is solid to where it functions as it reads kind of Mm -hmm. um so developers who just want to finish their story and move on and you know stop at that first solution um, probably wouldn't make good architects so you're a fan of the make it work then make it pretty yeah if it's not working, it's pointless in the first place, right? So yeah. make it work and then make it work for everybody else that's going to have to touch it. If it's pretty and it doesn't work, what's the point? That exactly. can also be a problem with architects, right? I mean, some people will design the too many complicated thing first, yeah. right? And that that's an easy trap to fall in on yeah. the architecture side. Over-optimizations. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get us started on those. <laughs> yeah. Just do the one, two, three things and add and add and add and ruthlessly refactor yeah. as you add and add and add. Mm-hmm. But, you know, don't design it like, okay, I'm going to get all the requirements and here are my 5,000 requirements and design a system that handles yeah. all of those things in a yeah. perfect yeah. way. 
proven move, right? Yeah. yeah, I'm a big fan of that. So explain the idea of over-optimization and why that's a bad idea. I mean, you kind of did, but let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, bit. In, in its basic terms, to me, you're hypothesizing problems that you don't know are problems and solving them, mm-hmm. right? So you think that, oh, what happens when we scale this high, when you have this many users? What happens when we want to be in seven markets instead of one? You're not there yet. Mm-hmm. You think you want to get there, and that's great. But trying to solve those problems before you get there always hurts everybody in the process but it's a fine line though right you have to be cu- you have it doesn't to mean it doesn't look. mean you're sloppy yeah you gotta yeah. You, it's always a balance right? right it's always a balancing act it's a balance but i think you're leaning on your experience to know to not which paint things? yourself into those corners yeah, right which you don't things, yeah. you don't create those scenarios right now but you you have in the back of your head given the things you've built in the past yeah. i'm not gonna just close myself off to that solution yeah. in the future and that's what i think a good architect is somebody yeah. who has built enough things to know that based on the yep. the requirements that are coming in, what should I be aware of for the future? Yeah. That's not dumb. Like yeah. seven languages, like seven yeah. or two doesn't matter. Yeah. Like stop coding for seven. Right. So Ryan, you told me recently about uh, a piece of code you looked at, and uh, it was tabs or something, and and it had oh my gosh, tab one, tab, tab two. Yeah, you know, so like don't do that. That doesn't right. make any sense. Yeah. If you're writing a library for a tab control, then write it for an arbitrary number of tabs, not a fixed number. Of tabs. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Awesome. So uh, how are we doing on drinks, guys? I'm ready for round two, sir. Ready for round two? Yeah. All right. So uh, normally, what I do is instead of uh, just taking a break and pausing and then i have to edit later yeah is i throw a question your way and then um Bail. i go make the drink <laughs> <laughs> and then bounce yeah, we talk about it and then you yeah. come back yeah and then i go make Makes the drinks. sense uh, so i think i'd like to play the uh, classic uh, drunk web game with with ryan what do you I think, think you should. I had a good time playing the classic game. So okay, I think it's his turn. Okay, right. so the game is: um, I give you three activities, and uh, three people, and then you decide which one you want to do with which. Does that make sense? Huh. Okay. So the activities are: uh, you write code with one, uh, you party with one, <laughs> and then you go to a brunch uh, or breakfast with with another one. Okay. Right. Um, and so in a podcast of four, I would normally say it's the other three, Uh. but here we only have two other. So there's the two of us and then you can pick, uh, I know you're a big, uh, premier league fan. Uh-huh. Uh, you're a Man United fan. Bust out the celebrities so, for him? Yeah. And use real humans? Yeah, real humans. So let's pick, uh, how about this? Um, the manager, Ferguson. Right? Yeah. This is it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Alex the Ferguson. Golden, okay. The golden man. And then man. myself and Brent, party code brunch. So party code breakfast. Party code and breakfast. Well, Sir Alex Ferguson, I'm gonna not probably pick for uh, party, <laughs> and I am probably not gonna pick for for coding. But I think he would be a good person to sit down and brunch and actually have a yeah. long conversation with. Yeah. I think but he would. Uh, how did it work? How did you? Were you yeah. so good for so long? No, stories from the days, and I think now, he's also yeah. navigated some tricky situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think he would be... He's a really good manager. Yeah, he would sure. be a, a man to have a conversation with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that would definitely be a good choice for uh, sitting down to brunch. Yeah. Sir. Sir Alex. Sir Alex. Sir Alex. Sir Alex. Sir Alex. Yeah. Don't forget his title. Here, I, guess it's I have code and party. Um, 
I'll pick uh, Code with Brent, and we've done this many a time. We have. Yeah. Um, we have, indeed. You know, going through code, writing code, solving codes, spending All lots things. of time drawing things on the whiteboard, uh, looking we, back at our own code and going, no, that was a bad idea. Let's whoopsies. Let's go and do it a different way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, no, I mean, thinking about it, we've done just about every type of project I can think of. We've had legacy applications we've made live we've had greenfield applications we've scaffolded we've patched over relatively new applications with mm -hmm. the different features so and done some design in there yeah i mean i also it's also something i've come to appreciate later in my career is um having another person to bounce an idea off of right yeah. it's one thing to sort of like say okay here's my thing i'm gonna build my own thing on my side i'm making all the decisions and that's great you have total yeah. control but you don't you know, I really value having someone to say, look, here's what I think my idea is, but is my idea really a good idea? And what yeah. are the areas that I'm not thinking about? They're going to trip me up in a second opinion. We do that a lot. And I think it works well because we both have a similar kind of area of expertise, but we might miss something here or there. So it's like, hey, am I crazy? I think this is probably the right way. It's like, oh, yeah, we kind of forgot about this or oh, yeah, that makes sense. It's always good to know. Yeah. You yeah. know, this this kind of quick shortcut is going to kill you later or yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. So I think. I've appreciated having, you know, somebody I can turn to and say, oh, okay, here's, can you give me a feel for whether my read is right in this area? Yeah. And I would pick you for the parting. I think you'd be more fun <laughs> for the parting. Yeah, that's fair. I would have done the same thing. Seen as too interesting. Yeah. You know, you know too many cool places, man. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, everything about your answer makes sense, except that this is probably the 20th time that i've been picked for party and uh -oh. I, I don't know if i, I you just you are in control you're the host you can just take yourself out of the equation so that's people can true. stop being like i want to party with Cena. that's true yeah it's that's my, on you yeah it's on me you gotta blame yourself here yeah and we uh we did yours so i think it might be redundant let me think about a slightly different a variation of this okay i'm trying to remember exactly who it was messy Superwoman. Mm. Yeah, I guess. And <laughs> Mike was... Pence. It was Mike no, Pence. No, it wasn't Mike Pence. Oh, it should have been Mike Pence. Superwoman and Mike Pence. Uh, that's a good I forgot uh... the third. But it was messy <laughs> and uh, I can't remember her name. But uh, JR just sent us an, an emoji of a peach. So, you know, that's expected. So what, what do we interpret that to mean? <laughs> uh, I think he wants to meet later. That's, okay. I think, what that yeah. is. <laughs> Um, We're the bar called Peaches. Gentlemen, right. cheers. <laughs> Round cheers. two. All right. Ah, cheers. Wow. What a time to be alive so you can have Negronis and be on Instagram live and talk about web technologies with your two friends. That's great. Feeling uh, mm. feeling good about that. Yeah. The Negroni is a good choice. Yeah. Um, I had my first good one last night with you. Yeah, yeah last night we did have Negronis. And I like these too. Yeah, we almost uh, did this recording last night, and I'm glad we didn't because then... Because look who's here. Yeah, we would have... Special uh, guest. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, can we talk about Gus a little bit? Sure. Um, so Ryan's son, who is... Uh, 11. 11 years old, um, he has shown a little bit of interest in software engineering, right? And Ryan has been nice enough to show him my videos, color code. He has watched every single one. He has. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. That's um, good. I remember asking Ryan, hey, uh, 
like I don't know if I like are you are you sure you want to show him this stuff like I curse a lot I make North Korea jokes yeah. and he's like no no it's like no my son takes the subway it's okay <laughs> he's heard it all son's a New Yorker he's fine welcome to New York it is that. true it's like um, his armor yeah so what do you think do you think that by the time he is 21 where do you think the browser world is at where do you think we're going I don't know. Recent things suggest not so good because we've just lost Internet Explorer as a browser engine. So uh, I, I, I fear a monoculture <laughs> for browsers. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's really hard to build one. It takes a ton of resources. So it's, yeah. Um, 10 years is a long time, though. I mean, like, like there's a people, there's the comment that people uh, under uh, overestimate the changes they can make in five years and underestimate yeah. the changes that are going to be you know longer term so, so you're saying years is a good lack of competition is even bad in browsers yeah yeah i, I think one it's browser a would be a bad situation it, it's yeah. it, i think it's a problem in computing and stuff in general right like you know you It'll it's easier as consumer, a developer to yeah. focus on one platform. It's easier as a developer but yeah. it's bad for the consumer it's bad for the the environment and that that you yeah. know then there's one person that controls all of it right and yeah. you know google will be doing driving HP spec and they're driving the browser implementation and mm -hmm. it'll be just them. And Google's got a certain interest in, you know, serving ads, right? Certain things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, you've seen uh, several iterations of browsers um, more than Brent and I, what do you think is the next big thing that's going to change in, in browsers? It's pretty hard to, to predict because I think for the most part, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, they've kind of stabilized. Like I haven't seen yeah. radical, oh my God, we have to do, unless you deal with cookies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen this yeah, massive. Privacy is, uh, yeah. yeah. So what do you think is going to be the next big thing that will hit developers, forget the consumer for a second, that um, we all have to adjust to? I don't know. I mean, I, think, I see it like, you know, web development changed rapidly in the early days and it kind of got slower and it plateaued. You see the same thing with mobile devices, right? Mobile was just like wham, wham, wham. Things were changing and things kind of have started to slow down. Um, I don't know. I think yeah. you probably mentioned it. Maybe privacy is probably the big thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, something else you said earlier at work, you know, obviously drives a point home for me, at least. It's the web relies on certain technology, right? And the technology is old, some of it's old at this point. Yeah. Very old. But they can't, you can't change it because you're going to break 80% of the internet, you know? Right. So you're just kind of keeping those things around, right? The way that Google and the ads work and all those things, it's maybe not always in the consumer's best interest, but that's just how the web works. That's how your sessions, okay. that's how your sessions work. So, I mean, they can't really change it. So here's a question. Uh, of the things that are that are too late to change, what would you change? Like jQuery is too late to change. Like you can't change dollar sign. Right? What would you change? Dollar sign creeped into so much. It doesn't even yeah. represent that anymore. It probably had something even before jQuery. jQuery probably got from somewhere. I mean, there's bad things out there, but we've stopped using them generally, hmm. which is good. Like there's this document write and yeah. eval and all yeah. kinds of stuff, right? And, you know, most good development is like, okay, I see that. <laughs> and that's a bad, bad, bad sign. So The um, guy who... Uh, who uh, had the idea for eval, he must have felt like, okay, I'm about to change things for so much better 
Right. I'm well, about to give everybody the no, greatest. I, think he named it, he, I mean, he named it appropriately, too. It's very close to evil, right? <laughs> so, I mean, he, he kind of knew what he was about to introduce. Oh, he probably had a, you know, sorry, we've got to get this feature in. What's the one possible way I can get it to work? Oh, okay, fine. I'll just do it. So, eval. you're saying there's a big to-do around eval that should just <laughs> yeah. say, please take me out next exactly. sprint. And all of a sudden, it's just, <laughs> boom, everyone's using it. 11 years later. Exactly. <laughs> That's why you should be careful about your to-dos every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't change anything that you're using today? Nothing that uh, is really bothering you on a daily basis? That's a loaded question because now I'm like, I want everything to work the same, but I agree it's bad for the consumer. So mm. consumer comes first more than my convenience. But it's a good question. I have to think about it. Yeah, what would I eliminate? I don't you so you're the one who's gone to you know W3C and you've met some of these spec writers and you kind of know a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, I mean, I understand it's, it's in the way you know it's the way it is because it just sort of get, you know it's been things added and added and added over time and uh, I mean we've eliminated some bad. Yeah, the blank tag's not there anymore. I want to eliminate local storage. <sighs> I mean, cookies is it's a good idea, but it's it does it doesn't work very well and there's lots of problems with it. Can we write a cookies, iframes, and post message? That would be good. Yeah, pop-ups. <laughs> <laughs> so everything is, is... That's an inside joke, everybody. Let's go back the way it was. <laughs> yeah. I just mix things But see, local storage works like a miracle for native apps. But yeah. I, I don't know what they call it these days. I don't know if it's called... I mean, ultimately, it's just a tool. So if you use it for the right purpose, I suppose it works. But it often gets used for the wrong purpose, which is usually what, what ends up happening, right? Mm. All the problems were the tools are being used the wrong way. So even cookies and whatever problems we might have with anything, it's probably written with the right intentions and fit for purpose for a thing. And it's most likely not being used that way, which is why we run into problems. Do you think we will ever get rid of JavaScript? Like entirely? Is that ever? Is, is it too late for that? Uh, I mean, we'll ever, we're, we're all going to not be here anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> JavaScript will be gone at some point, but I'll be dead. Yeah. But in my lifetime, no, I don't think JavaScript's going anywhere. You don't think so? You think it's too late? Yeah. Uh, People write in Java now, but C's not gone, right? You know, right. And it, the entire web runs on JavaScript. Yeah. yeah. But do you realize how crazy that is to say? Because that's never happened before to any language. Like, everything has come and gone on the web, except for HTML, CSS, JavaScript. You know, but I guess you didn't, you couldn't write natively. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, like an OS is in the position to promote one language over another, right? So yeah. in the web, it's cross-platform. You got to kind of like you're stuck with whatever you've gone and done. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, Java, but it, like, do we write JavaScript today? And some people know, right? We're writing TypeScript or other things, right? And we're, right. you know. But it is just JavaScript. <laughs> it's just JavaScript. It's just JavaScript. But I mean, maybe it's you know it's WASM so, or other things, right? So where no, basically, your other question could be: Will we stop writing JavaScript? Will we only write things that transpile or compile? To well, JavaScript? Yeah. TypeScript is having a huge comeback. It is. Well, it never it went away, but it's winning a bunch of arguments, right? Yeah, yeah. flow is going it's on away. that curve a of inevitability now. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't know flow was going away, and it is. So it, mm-hmm. I mean, it's. TypeScript or bus. And so, I'm actually, I'm not against <laughs> TypeScript, especially because I use VS Code. Mm. And honestly, like I think Microsoft would be an interesting company to work for now because just their leadership and their decisions recently seem like 
I mean, they bought a GitHub for Christ's sake and they've got VS Code, which is an editor everybody uses and it's really great. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're really doubling down on kind of the community and like making things more open, which is historically speaking, not really what Microsoft did. So it's like this new face for them and things seem to be going well and their tooling is really good. I mean, a lot of people are doing that because the tooling is so good for it. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of backend folks are like, oh yeah, we have IntelliJ and Java and everything is great. You're just doing all things that we did. It's like, <laughs> okay, maybe, but still like it's you know it's different (laughs) so yeah yeah Yeah, typescript is uh definitely so but but what does that say about us as javascript developers say we're always like no type no type and my problem with typescript is like many things it's a tool right so it's fit for purpose so if you're building a library or something where you need those types it's great it's awesome but when you're building a web app when you can't use typing to check what the consumer is giving you right you end up with just type any everywhere mm-hmm. and you're basically just writing in a type language with no types. At that point, it's an unnecessary overhead and it's a problem. But when you're using it for certain things like building tooling, it's great. But when you yeah. want to just validate like what the user typed in. Yeah, and if I'm going to be go writing some POC or a prototype, I'm not going to bother with type. True. Code, right? I'm just going to go it's whip it off and so. the bare minimum tools. So. Yeah. Um, gents, we've reached. What, what do you think? It goes so fast. It's about an hour. About an hour? Yeah. Wow. Damn. Yeah. I thought we'd be like 49. That's what uh, I thought. Well, it's 51. So you're... Oh, damn. You're closer. Huh. You're more right than you're wrong. True. Um, first of all, any anything you feel strongly about that you want to talk about when it comes to architecture? Um, because I guarantee you there will be people listening who are thinking, I want to go down this route. Would you... Is there a message you want to send out? Be careful about this or don't do this or do this or anything you want to put out there, architecture specifically. Um, For me, it's less about architecture, more as like find what you enjoy and, you know, work your career so you end up doing the things that you like to do. Um, You you can some, you know, some people like, okay, I want to deal with management. I want to be the CTO. I want to work myself into that position that's sort of a natural progression from a junior developer senior developer and some people decide i want to not be away from the code right and so they you know find a career path that will get you into the things that you want to continue to do right um, you know, don't grow yourself out of your job yeah. that Love you that. like yeah i have a whole video about that <laughs> <laughs> it's great yeah i agree for me i'm not sure i guess just speaking from my own experience if you this might be for you if two things happen. If you are pragmatic enough to understand that sometimes you can't be perfect, but at the same time, you always try to think of the best way to do something. So as we stated before, it's a balancing act. So I want to organize and make everything make perfect sense and have this beautifully designed system and this beautifully designed code base to where everything is just what exactly you think it would be, but that's not reality but you're always trying to balance reality and moving forward and delivering and, you know, pleasing the customer and the consumers with that design. So it's balancing those compromises. If you think you can teeter on that seesaw, if you will, Mm -hmm. and you really like to find the best ways to do stuff, that might be for you. You should check it out. You'll know pretty quickly, I would say. Brent, what are your thoughts on inclusion and puppies? Inclusion and puppies? Yeah. (laughs) I love those things. He's wearing a t-shirt that says, I love inclusion, inclusion and dogs. Inclusion and dogs. Do you want to tell us about that? I do. So 
when I was going on the podcast today, I was grabbing a shirt out of my suitcase and I saw this one. I was like, oh, this is a perfect shirt to wear. So <laughs> this is um, my cousin is writing a kid's book called mm-hmm. The Able Fables mm-hmm. about you know inclusion with children who have varying capabilities. Um, and she makes just really cool shirts and sweaters and hoodies and stuff. I don't know her Instagram handle because I'm not on Instagram, but if you just look up Able Fables and you want to buy some cool t-shirts or a, a nice kid's book that's going to be coming out soon, you nice. know, help my cousin out and she'd really appreciate it. And cool. she's a cool chick and she's, you should check it out. Awesome. Yeah. Ryan, any shout outs? JR. No. JR. JR. Yeah. <laughs> JR. Way to go. Oh my gosh. I miss you, man. JR's done two of these. So he will. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe we'll do a JR uh, versus Ryan. I know you guys disagreed on a few things. Um, I would love to unpack that and talk about it. Cause, sure. Let's unpack it in public. Because yeah. <laughs> you are both gonna... you're both brilliant. Uh, and I thought, how can the two guys that I respect so much uh, disagree so strongly well, about certain things? Well, that's the sign of a good person is he disagrees strongly. <laughs> As Ron Swanson said, I think it was, I'd rather work with someone of conviction than a wishy-washy kiss-ass. <laughs> Something like that. So Ted Cruz, yeah. Let's <laughs> <laughs> watch more Parks and Rec. That's yeah. Um, all right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been episode twenty-seven. Thank you guys for being here. Uh, we got lucky. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, yeah, enjoyed it. I've started doing these on a weekly basis. That's how I started them, and then other things came up. Life happened. You got side hustles, man. You side. have so many things going on. Yeah, right. Side yeah. hustles. And now uh, we do these short ones every week Um, and solo ones. Another one's coming up next week. Um, And uh, yeah, I do want to say one more time, cheers to Dana White and the Negronis. He loved Mm -hmm. those. And um, cheers. uh, Yeah. Cheers, you guys, to Dana. Um, Ryan, thank you for the uh, pleasant surprise today. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I've been trying to uh, get you on Drunk Web or color code somehow well, thanks but, for the gronies that's a good way to do it yeah right you're 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 hard man to find after 5 6 p.m so um uh, thank you for being here thank i appreciate you. it bevelo i'll see you in chicago because yes, i'll be sir. there in july so good. safe travels back home thanks um thank you for everybody for tuning in um if you sign up through patreon you will get a uh, drunk web sticker directly sent to you to your door so check it out uh, please share the podcast. Uh, I know there are people out there who could benefit from some of the content, probably. Um, probably. <laughs> <laughs> and so with that said, have a good night and uh, see you next week. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Salute.